0: All right, good morning. Uh, my name is Eric. I get to be the pastor here. I just say welcome. So glad that you are here. Uh, my wife and I, uh, Kristen and I, we have three kids, uh, seven, four and a half, and two. And last night was bath time for the kids, and so Andrew was in the bathtub that's our two year old, while Kristen was doing some stuff upstairs and putting away clothes and whatnot. And uh, she came out of our bedroom and into the hallway to find a dripping, wet, naked two year old standing in the middle of the hallway. And what I love about my son Andrew is he calls himself O'Drew, uh, and he's always like, O'Drew hat, O'Drew ball. And so um, I love his response. when Kristen's like, what are you doing? He got himself out of the bathtub. And his response was, oh, Drew, out. <laughs> and I thought, that's amazing. Like, that to be his new catchphrase forever. Oh, Drew, out. See ya. But he's standing there, you know, stark naked, dripping wet, no fear, no shame whatsoever. And uh, we're going to look at a story today where some people have a little bit different response to that. Uh, we're going to try something a little different. Would you stand with me? And uh, I'm going to read one of our scripture passages for the morning, and then we'll we'll dive in. Uh, So the first scripture passage we're going to read today is from Philippians 4, uh, verse 6 through 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for your word, and we ask that this morning that this would sink down deep into our hearts. God, that those of us who struggle with anxiety and worry and depression, God, that we would be able to give that over to you. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done for us. In your name we pray. Amen. You can grab a seat. Uh, Anxieties, fears, worries, we all have them. Uh, My kids have some weird worries. My son Joshua, ever since the age of two, I don't know why, has been freaked out that some robot is going to grab him in the hallway. We haven't watched any scary shows, I don't think, about robots, but somehow he's terrified of some giant robot grabbing him in the middle of the night. My daughter, who's four and a half, is terrified of bees. So every, anytime she hears like a fly buzzing in the house, she thinks it's bees, like coming to get her. It's the bees! Ah! And, uh, uh, and then, you know, just weird shadows, all kinds of stuff. Uh, my son Andrew, Odrew, has no fears yet. Um, so uh, that's good. We'll see what happens. But Paul says here, he says do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about anything. How are you all doing with that command today? Don't be anxious about anything. But in our culture, we say, but there's so much to be anxious about. There's like, gluten and toxins and fluoride in our water and all kinds of crazy stuff and the economy's gonna crash and what's gonna happen. And some of those are very legitimate concerns. So how can we live out what Paul says here in this passage? Do not be anxious about anything. Do we just stick our heads in the sands? It's okay to be concerned, but God tells us not to be anxious. See, Paul, who wrote Philippians... And uh, he wrote that from a prison cell, and he told us, "Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God." And the peace of God, which I think we can all agree that's what we want, which surpasses all understanding. And I love this. I just uh, many years ago, when I was in college, I got a chance to go to Italy and visit Paul's prison, and I picture Paul in prison writing these words, and he's thinking. What's a good word to use for God's peace? And I picture him seeing the guards outside of his prison cell, and he says, The peace of God will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So what does he mean when he says, Don't be anxious? Well, that exact word that he used is actually found earlier in the same letter. In Philippians chapter 2, he uses that same word, and he says, He says this, he's talking about his good friend Timothy. He says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. It's actually the same word, genuinely concerned, that he uses as anxious. See, you can have the same situation that you find yourself in, but how you deal with it determines whether it's a genuine concern or needless anxiety. And Paul says it's the same word, but how you deal with that situation determines whether you find yourself in needless anxiety and worry or whether this is a genuine concern. But that genuine concern, you're able to give it to God. Uh, I heard a Southern pastor say one time that, um, I don't know if I can do a good Southern accent, but I'll try. Uh, Worry is a down payment on a problem you may never have. I like that. Worry is a down payment on a problem you may never have. A lot of times we spend so much time thinking about what could happen. We get worried about it. Matt, Nate, and I were down at a conference in Florida about a week and a half ago. And I love what one of the speakers said. He said, worry is a misuse of imagination. Worry is a misuse of imagination. If you're taking notes, you can write that down. He said, we were given this amazing imagination as kids to dream what is possible. But as we get older and as as we become adults, we don't use our imaginations to create and think about what's possible for good. Instead, we so often use our imaginations about what could potentially go wrong. But worry is a misuse of our imagination. Well, we've been working our way through the book of Luke Uh, Since December. And here at Mosaic, we like to go through books of the Bible. And we find ourselves now in chapter 8 of the book of Luke. And we're going to see a situation where Jesus is really telling his disciples, don't be anxious. And let's see kind of how that goes. Luke chapter 8, verse 22 through 25. Jesus has been doing some awesome ministry. He's been teaching. He's been healing. He even raised someone from the dead. And now Here's what he tells his disciples. Verse 22. One day he got into a boat with his disciples and he said to them, let us go across to the other side of the lake. This is this Sea of Galilee, a very big lake, big sea. So they set out and as they sailed, he fell asleep. Jesus, I love this. Jesus is human. He's 100% God. He's 100% human. And Jesus has been giving and giving and giving. He's been teaching. He's been preaching. He's been doing all these amazing things. And even Jesus... He's exhausted. I don't know about you, but there are times when I'm giving and giving and doing and doing, and then we find ourselves just exhausted. And so Jesus, as he tells disciples, hey, let's go over here, because we have a reason to go over here, and he just falls asleep. So they set out, and as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in danger. They're on the sea and they're rowing across, and all of a sudden, this windstorm comes in. And these are some experienced fishermen that are followers of Jesus. And they're starting to get a little terrified here. And the Bible even tells us they're filling with water, and they were in danger. This isn't like some needless fear that they're making up, like, oh, what if a storm comes? They were in danger. I picture them, the water's coming in, and maybe they got a bucket in their trying to get the water out of the boat, and they're almost feeling swamped? Have you ever felt nearly swamped, where it feels like the water is coming in and you're getting ready to sink, and you're just trying to keep your head above the waves? Maybe that's how you feel right now. Have you ever been in danger? Maybe real danger, maybe financial danger, spiritual, relational danger? That's where the disciples are right now. 24. And they went and woke him saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. I don't know if you've ever been in a boat that you thought was going to sink. I haven't, but I picture that being terrifying. Uh, drowning is one of my like, big fears. I don't want to die that way. I love water, I love lakes, but never been in a boat I thought was going to sink. But I've been in an airplane that I was like, I'm not so sure we're going to make it. Uh, when the turbulence is bad and you're shaking, you're like, oh boy, have you been there? Uh, It's kind of funny because even if you're not religious and you're, like, on an airplane like that, like, pretty soon everyone becomes, like, someone who starts praying. Like, God, if you're out there, like, rescue us right now, please, you know. Uh, When a plane goes through that turbulence, like, we all become religious. And this is one of those situations where the disciples are saying, like, oh, boy, this is the end. This is a massive panic. These experienced fishermen are thinking, we're going to drown. Well, I've learned something about waves, See, I think some waves are God-ordained that God brings into our life. Some waves are because we live in a fallen, broken world. And some waves, we create. So real quick, I want to share some of these. Some waves are God-ordained, some that we create. Number one, with our words. Oftentimes we create anxiety. We create waves in the world around us by the words that we speak. When we have an issue and we don't take it to the person that we have an issue with, Instead, we talk to everyone around us about that issue. But Jesus tells us in Matthew 18 that if you have a problem with someone, you go to that problem, to go to that person. You don't talk to your friends or a small group about it. You go to that person. But we create needless waves around us with our words when we start talking about different things like that. Number two, by our approach. Sometimes it's not what we're going through, but how we're going through it. Some of us We've just left no margin in our life, no financial margin, no time margin. Your, your schedule's filled. All your, your money is tied up. You're, you're spending more than you make. You know, how you've, you know where you've chosen to live and, and commute to work. Maybe it's not the fact that your job is stressful, but how you're getting to work is stressful. Uh, maybe your teacher or boss isn't necessarily mean. It's just the fact that you're a procrastinator. And so sometimes how we approach situations in life, we create waves around us. number three, the voices. What voices are you listening to? If you're listening to the wrong words, whether that's internal or external, it's going to create these waves of anxiety in your life. Number four, our expectations. So I think so many of us, we wake up, our feet hit the floor, and we just expect to have no conflict, no difficulties in life, and then we're surprised when we Find ourselves facing a battle. We find ourselves facing some waves or something. But see, the Bible tells us to put on the full armor of God. That's how we're supposed to wake up: is is girding ourselves with the armor of God. This is something I don't do a good job of. But to reminding myself, when my feet hit the floor, I'm getting ready to go into battle. And so we, the way we are, our expectations in life, when we expect everything just to be smooth sailing then we can find waves because we're like we're not expecting a battle we're not expecting storms to come in our life and the last one shame shame can create these waves of anxiety see there's a difference between conviction and shame see jesus wants to rescue you from the waves of shame in your life let's go on and jesus awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves and they ceased and there was calm And he said to them, where is your faith? Jesus saying, guys, did you forget? I'm here on the boat with you. You've seen me do some great things in the previous chapters. You've seen me heal people. You've even seen me raise someone from the dead. Why are you freaking out? You're not alone. I'm here with you. I did some uh, research studying this passage, and I'm not a meteorologist, uh, so uh, don't take my word on on the weather stuff. However, I have thought, what an amazing job to have, like, to be a weatherman, like, what other job can you be wrong, like, 90% of the time, and keep your job? Like, that's amazing. But what I discovered is that the Sea of Galilee, where they're on right now, it's about 680 feet below sea level and surrounded by all these mountains. And so, according to uh, weather experts, this is a perfect place for a storm to just kind of blow in out of nowhere. It's very common for a storm to explode onto the Sea of Galilee with very little warning. It can be just, you know, a beautiful day, and out of nowhere, like, boom! You know, this massive storm can hit. I think what's interesting is as we go through life, sometimes life can feel so good, it's smooth sailing, and then out of nowhere, boom! Some kind of storm crashes into our life. You can have, like, the best sales, you know, of your month, you know, best sales month of your career and everything's going great, then you find out your company's losing money, and you're one of the most recent hires, and you're like, Oh boy, am I gonna lose my job because I'm the last man hired? Out of nowhere, things are going well, and then boom, <laughs> storm hits you. It could be it feels like your marriage finally, after working things out and going to counseling, and you've been working on it, finally your marriage is at a good place, and you're like, all right, this is good. And then your wife goes to the doctor and boom, a storm hits as you're confronted with this unexpected storm and these waves come. And it feels like the rug's been just pulled out of you and you're not even sure, man, how are we going to make this? I don't, I don't understand. Or maybe you think your child is doing well and you've been working with them and, and they've made some mistakes, but you feel like they're on the right path and you've been working hard. And then you find out they've been keeping things from you. And when your child is making bad decisions, it doesn't matter matter what else is going well. Everything else zeroes in on that and you find yourself in the middle of a storm. I think people who go to church are sometimes the best at hiding the storms that they're in. Some of you right now, you look totally fine. You walk in, you're smiling, you're like, everything is good. But behind that smile, you're in the middle of a storm and nobody knows it. You might look good on the outside, but Maybe you fall asleep afraid, you fall asleep crying, and you think, man, I'm so blessed, and there's so many good things in life that I've got, but I just don't know if I can keep going at this pace. I don't know if I can keep going, and, and the weight of expectations of my spouse or my kids to keep this level of life going. And So you put on a smile, and it seems like everything's great, but on the inside, you have this storm raging inside Right now, maybe, maybe you'd say, there, I feel like I'm in the middle of a storm right now. Well, I want to show you specifically two things to remember when you're in a storm. And hopefully, this will help when you're in a storm. Number one, if you want to write this down, you're in the storm with his presence. You're in the storm with his presence. See, Jesus was in the boat with his disciples. He was in the boat with his disciples. They weren't alone. He was right there with them. But here's what happens, I think, so many of us. We think this, that, okay, wait a minute. If Jesus is in the boat with me, if he's with me at all times, then there shouldn't even be a storm, right? Like, I gave my life to Christ, so everything should be smooth sailing for the rest of my life. Now, you may not say that out loud, but you think that. Like, I've given everything over to Jesus, so now I shouldn't face any more storms. It should all be smooth sailing, I need to tell you, that's just not true. Jesus tells us, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. And Jesus is with us. His presence is with us in the storm. Jesus never promised that if you come to him, life will be easy and you'll be storm free. In fact, the reality is opposite. See, when you move from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light and to following Jesus, suddenly you find yourself in the middle of a spiritual battle. See, Christianity isn't a playground, it's a battleground, amen? Between forces of darkness and forces of light. And when you step onto the side of light, the forces of darkness will come against you. The Bible tells us we really do have an enemy. Our enemy isn't people of the other political party, it's not other churches, it's not your neighbor. Our enemy is the evil one who wants to steal and kill and destroy you. And when you transfer out of his kingdom to the kingdom of light, you are in a battle. You will face opposition, you're going to face temptation, and there is going to be spiritual warfare. And to think, just because I'm with Jesus, nothing should go wrong, there should be no storms, is a distortion of the message of the gospel. In fact, God never promises that just because Jesus is with you, in the boat, that the storm will never rock you. He, he doesn't ever promise that the storm will never rock you. He says that the storm will never sink you. You can be rocked by the storms of life and the waves can come against you and you can feel like, what is going on? But when Jesus is with us, it'll never be too much. He'll never sink us and he is there with us because God is with you and God is for you. There's nothing that can take you out of the presence of God. And because Jesus was on that boat, that's a total game changer. Well, recently I read somewhere that people live longer if they live with someone else in the house with them or even just some other living thing in the house. As long as they're not alone, people live longer. It can be really anything. It can be a house pet, a ferret, a gerbil, you know, a little lap dog, a big ugly dog, a hamster, really anything The research was still figuring out, but they said even certain kinds of cats can help. Uh, But I'm not so sure. As long as something living is in the house with them. Well, if you're with Jesus, it's going to make all the difference. And when you're in the middle of a storm and it's going to get really bad, and people are going to look at you and say, How? Can you go through that? How are you enduring this? Your world's falling apart, but you're not falling apart. How come everything's going wrong and you still have this quiet confidence? Why is it you have peace in the middle of a storm? And you can tell him, there's someone living in my house with me. There's someone in the boat. Jesus is in the boat. Jesus is in my house. And because he's with me, I can sense his strength. I can sense his presence. I can sense his power, his comfort. Because he's with me, he's in the boat with me. Just because I'm in a storm doesn't mean Jesus isn't with me. Never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. Never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. And when I find myself in a storm, one thing I like to do is is take some scripture verses that are written to all of us and then just personalize them. So Psalms 46:1 tells us that God is our refuge. But maybe when you're in a storm, you want to take that scripture and uh, you want to just personalize it a little bit and just say, "God is my refuge. I'm in a storm right now. God is my strength. He's my ever-present help in time of trouble." Or Hebrews 13:5, "Never will my God leave me. Never will my God leave me. Never will He forsake me." Or Psalms 23, "Even though I walk the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil because you are with me. My God is with me. His presence is with me at all times. See, God never promised that the storm won't rock us. But he said the storm won't sink you and nothing can take you out of God's presence. He's on the boat and you're not alone. And I pray that helps you find some comfort when you're in a storm. Second thing is that you're in the storm for his Purpose. You're in the storm with his presence and you're in the storm for his purpose. If you go back, what did Jesus say to his disciples? He said, Let's go to the other side. So, this is a tough question. Jeremy said, audience participation. Whose idea was it to go to the other side of the lake? Jesus. Yeah, that's a perfect Sunday school answer. Yes. Jesus, it was his idea. It's not a hard question, right? It was Jesus' idea to go to the other side of the lake. And because Jesus was God in the flesh, I believe he knew that there was someone on the east side of the lake who needed to meet him. There was a guy who was hurting himself because he was possessed by an evil spirit. And Jesus knew he had to come to fight the armies of darkness. And Jesus was going to take his disciples to the other side to speak healing into this guy's life. And Jesus, being God in the flesh, knew there was going to be a storm that was going to blow up. And he knew he was taking his disciples into the boat, into that storm, through a storm. Whose idea was it to take that boat through that storm? That was Jesus' idea. He knew they'd be going into a storm. And so we can say that we're not in a storm because we're out of God's will. That just because you find yourself in a storm and say, oh man, what did I do? Am I out of God's will? But sometimes we're in a storm because we are right where we're supposed to be and we're in God's will. Some of you, maybe you're in a storm right now. I'm going to ask you if you're a follower of Jesus, why are you afraid? Jesus says, Where is your faith? You're in the storm with the presence of God, and He's with you, and He's working all things for good for those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. You're in the storm with His presence, and you're in the storm for His purpose. And as you get to know Him, He's going to mature you as you grow through some storms, and suddenly, You can realize that he's there with you and you can grow through that. And your hope isn't in the boat. Your hope and your soul's anchored in the Lord. And that changes everything. It says, they were afraid and they marveled, saying to one another, who then is this that he commands even the winds and the water? And they obey him. See, the disciples all of a sudden understood Jesus in a whole new way. We've seen him heal people on land and do all these things. But he even commands the winds and the waves. See, there's going to be storms in your life. And I don't think Jesus sent them into the storm to test them. I think Jesus sent them into the storm to teach them. This miracle of Jesus as he calms the wind and the wave is actually super unique compared to all the miracles that Jesus has done. See, when Jesus does a miracle, almost always the crowds are around, and he's doing a miracle for the crowds. And the disciples a lot of times are participating in that miracle, as we're going to see uh, in two weeks as he feeds the 5,000. But this time there's no crowds. It's just Jesus and his disciples. So usually they're present as he ministers to others, and they join him in that ministry as he heals someone else. But this time it's just Jesus and his disciples. And I think this shows that even those who serve Jesus we need to be reminded of Jesus' presence and his purpose for our lives. And I love that, that even Jesus takes the time to pour into the 12 or are the closest to him and say, hey, we've been doing this great ministry together and all these things. But I think you need to be reminded that I'm here with you. And when you go through stuff, there's a purpose. See, I think when Jesus calmed the storm, he used the wind and the waves like a whiteboard to teach his disciples. Here's what I want to remind you of. We're going to read on just real quick. I'm going to go through this quick, this next story. We're going to see that Jesus is just as calm in the face of a human storm as he was in the face of the winds and the wave. Let's just read with me Luke 26 to 39. We're not going to go too deeply into this. If you want to study on your own this week, that'd be great. I'm just going to read through this. Then they sailed to the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee, to the other side of the lake. When Jesus had stepped out on land, there met him a man from the city who had demons. For a long time he had worn no clothes, and he had not lived in a house but among the tombs. So Jesus and disciples, they come through a storm. The disciples are a little freaked out. They come on the other side, and they meet a naked man who's living among tombstones. Um, yeah, that's, what a great welcome reception. I picked the disciples, disciples like, let's get back in the boat and go through this storm. like, that might be better. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and said with a loud voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many a time it had seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles, but he would break the bonds and be driven by the demons into the desert. Jesus then asked him, What is your name? And he said, Legion, for many demons had entered him. And they begged him not to command them to depart into the abyss. Now a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. And they begged him to let them enter these. So he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs. And the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and drowned. When the herdsmen saw what had happened, they fled and told it to the city and in the country. Then people went out to see what had happened. And they came to Jesus and found the man with whom the demons had gone, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. So they knew this crazy man who was naked and they would have to guard him because he was a crazy man. And they put chains on him and this guy would break the chains and run off and everyone in the town knew this crazy guy. And now Jesus comes in and by his ministry and miracles he casts the demons out of them and the man's in his right mind. And so all the people in the town rejoiced and were excited about what Jesus had done. No. And they were Afraid. And those who had seen it told them how the demon possessed man had come, had been healed. Then all the people of the surrounding country asked Jesus to stay and teach them. Nope. Of the Garrison's asked him to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat and returned. Sometimes I think when we see the mighty power of Jesus, We're a little too concerned about how financially that's going to impact us. See, these people had seen how the demons went into these pigs, and they lost their whole herd. And they could deal with this crazy man they could lock up and just kind of put over here. They weren't sure what to do with this Messiah, Jesus, who came breaking chains and liberating people, but it was going to be costly for them. And so they said, why don't you get out of here? The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away saying, return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. He says, "Nope, my plan for you is not to come and be one of my followers, but instead I'm going to send you back to where you came from. And I want you to tell everyone what God has done for you. I think this is key right here. And he went away proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. Jesus commanded, hey, tell everyone what God had done for you. And he goes and tells everyone what Jesus had done for him. I think if you want to tell people what God has done, of who God is, tell them what Jesus has done for you. I'm going to invite the band up. We're going to have a time of response. Again, this is a crazy story. We don't have time to get into all the details of it, but Jesus comes. He leads his disciples through a storm to the other side and he's with them his presence is with them he's there for a purpose because he knows there's a man who needs to be liberated from his sin and Jesus liberates him and that man says Jesus take me out of this town these people who don't want you here they're more concerned about how you coming is going to impact them financially and they're afraid can I go with you and Jesus says no no My plan for you, my purpose for you is to stay and tell everyone about what God has done. And this man who probably doesn't know much theology, this is an area of Gentiles, it's not an area of Jewish people, he doesn't know much about God. And so instead of telling everything about what God has done and who God is, he just says, well, this is what Jesus has done for me. And I think Jesus calls us to share what Jesus has done in our lives. When he's with us through the storms, when he liberates us from the things that are holding us back from oppressive forces, the way we talk about God is just sharing what Jesus has done in our lives and what he's done for us. Would you stand with me? We're going to have a time now where we remember what Jesus has done for each one of us. Jesus comes and he heals and he liberates and he calms the storms. But the most important thing that Jesus did was he came to die on the cross for our sins so that we could be made right with God. And we take time once a month to receive communion. And communion is this physical, tangible reminder of what God has done for us. And so this morning we're going to take the bread as a symbol that his body was broken for us and dip it in the cup to remind ourselves that his blood was shed for us. And communion is a way of reminding us not just intellectually but this physical, tangible reminder that he really came, that he really died, and then that he really rose again. And so we're going to have a time of reflection. The band's going to sing this song, and at any time during this song, you can go to the back and find one of the communion stations and take the bread, dip it in the cup, and then receive communion on your own. And I want to encourage you, before you do that, just take a moment to examine your heart and say, God, What are the areas in my life where I am not obeying your command to be anxious about nothing, but I have fear and anxiety and worry in my heart? Jesus asked the disciples, Where is your faith? I want us all to answer that question. Where is my faith? Is my faith in myself, in my job, in my bank account, in my friendships, in my own abilities to stay above the waves? Or is my faith in Jesus, trusting that he is with us? He has a purpose for us. Let's examine our hearts and ask, what is our faith in? And say, God, is there something, some anxiety, some worry I need to give to you? Let's give that over to God. And then the story of this man who was liberated from these demons living inside him who then his purpose was to tell people about what Jesus had done for him. Let's take a moment to reflect and say, who can I share what Jesus has done for me? We don't have to know all the theology or all these answers about who God is, but we can tell people what Jesus has done for us. Then we also have some people scattered in the back, are available for prayer as well and during this song if you want to get up receive communion if you want someone to pray for you you can find someone in the back who's available for prayer as well and this is just a time of response the next five minutes this is just a time to say god what do you want to speak to me right now so much of life is rushing from one place to the next and we want to take a time to say through this text through the bible how am i going to apply this to my heart What business do I need to do with you, God, right now? Would you join me in prayer? God, we thank you for all that you've done for us. So, God, we ask that as we ask ourselves, what is our faith in, may we be able to answer that our faith is in you, Jesus. God, for those of us that find ourselves in the middle of a storm, may we be reminded that we are in that storm with your presence we are going through storms for a purpose and God that you would use the storms of life to increase our faith in you uh, there would be opportunities to teach us about you and God that we would be able to share what you have done for us, that you have died on the cross for our sins you have liberated us from captivity you calm the storms in our life Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's sing. Let's pray. Let's respond. And you don't have to be a member or regular tender of Mosaic to receive communion. We just say, if you are willing to remember what Jesus has done and to examine your own heart before receiving communion, you are more than welcome to receive communion. Uh, So let's sing. And at any time during the song, you can go receive prayer or receive communion.